Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Carlos. Joining me, fellow basketball boy Greg Ebenanamorphs. It's so wonderful to be back in the season. As I was scrolling through the ESPN app before the game, you know, trying to plan out what I'm going to watch, it just brought back so many good memories from the last two seasons, and I'm just so happy to be back. Basketball is so back. And for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Couldn't agree more, Greg. You know, all my memories of Pac-12 basketball <laughs> just flooding back to me. <laughs> what a special time of the year, right? Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube and Twitter. I actually post this Twitter. So if you're joining us live on Twitter, welcome. Uh, we have no one joining us live on YouTube, but we do have a few people joining us live on Twitter. So that's great. Thank you to, for joining us there. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Lots of Pac-12 hoops action happened a couple nights ago. We'll discuss the game, some of the most impressive performances from opening day. But first, if you're listening on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our video, comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat. Come over to YouTube where you can stay on Twitter and at us if you'd like. Uh, and follow us and tweet us at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. Send in your questions and rants. And of course, podcast listeners, Follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a five-star review. And as always, we have content on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We'll be previewing the Week 11 slate of games, including USC at Oregon, very important one there, uh, among others. That game is going to be a ton of fun. Utah at Washington as well, going to be lots of fun. Going to talk about those. Uh, so go subscribe at NoTruckStops.com. It's just $5. And if you don't want to spend $5, but you want to share your support, consider subscribing for just $3. You can even cancel your membership immediately so you don't get charged. Any little bit uh, helps. All right. It's time to get to hoops. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pick a couple of big games for the week, and we're going to talk about those before we talk about the rest of the slate rapid fire. And we start with USC beating Kansas State in Las Vegas. Maybe the most impressive performance of the night. The Trojans beat Kansas State 82-69. to This is a bit of an up-and-down game, but for the most part, USC had control of this one. The story out of this is Isaiah Collier went nuclear for long stretches of this one. Uh, he had 18 points off 7-for-9 shooting to go along with 3 boards and 6 assists. Boogie Ellis, though, he also turned it on pretty late in this game after Kansas State went on a 13-2 run to cut USC's lead to single digits. Boogie Ellis played a big role in putting this one out of reach. He had 24 points off 7 for 14, shooting from the floor, 8 boards, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Really statted, stuffed the stat sheet uh, that night. Lots of stuff happened in this one, but Greg, what did you think of the Trojans in their first game? I really, really love watching this USC team. Uh, as, as I watch them, Obviously, there are lots of flaws, you know. They're very undisciplined, like you tweeted about several times, I think, during that game. Uh, there are a lot of times where I feel like they could use a little more connectivity on defense. I felt like some guys were too eager occasionally to do things, and it left them left them open on the backside. But I, I just... You can see so much potential in the team. Isaiah Collier, like you said... He, he looks like a real player. You know, you can see why he was such a highly rated recruit. Boogie Ellis gets better every year. Um, like, I was very impressed with him in that game, especially down the stretch. And what was up with him? Did he have, like, eight rebounds? Yeah, yeah, eight yeah, rebounds was, in that game. he was all over the place in this one, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny, considering how small he is. Um, Kobe Johnson is an incredible player. He might be my favorite player in the conference, honestly. Whoa. I, I just, I love him. 
uh, the way he defends, the way he just gets after it. And he's like a genuinely helpful offensive player too. He's not one of those guys. He, he's not a Matisse Thibel, you know, where he's a great defender, brings absolutely nothing offensively. He's, he's a two-way player for sure. And uh, I love that. With USC, you noticed that the rotation was pretty short, you know, like the bench players... I mean, it, Boogie Ellis and uh, who who am I forgetting? Boogie Ellis and there was another player who played a ton of minutes. Kobe Johnson, duh. Uh, they both played a ton of minutes. I would love for them to be able to get some more rest, and I would love for Harrison Hornery to have to play less uh, in this one. And the way you get there is you get Bronny James back, who LeBron at a press conference said has a checkup at the end of this month that will determine a lot as to whether he can play this year. Uh, if it goes well, he'll be able to start practicing again, I think. And then Vince Uchukwu, if we can get him back as well. I think this USC team is going to be like genuinely a threat in March. I think this could maybe not be quite as good as that Evan Mobley USC team that went to the Elite Eight, but I bet it could be close. Yeah, I'm, I'm first of all, pretty weird that we get injury updates on Pac-12 basketball from LeBron James, but that's the world we live in now. That was, was like, yeah, Le- LeBron went out, was at a press conference talking about Brady James's health. Very cool. Um, yeah, great, great game from all those players. Really enticing. Reed, you were watching this one too. What did you think? Yeah, I felt a lot of the same things as Greg, honestly. I think immediately Isaiah, Isaiah Collier like just works. He's really good. Uh, that fit with Boogie Ellis seemed like it worked. Whether one person was leading the show at times and the other kind of took the reins uh, in moments like you talked about late with Boogie Ellis. I think I'm very optimistic that that backcourt fit will continue to mold. And like by the time we get to Mark March, you know, great guards kind of lead the way. Um, and, and, and beyond that, I think Kobe Johnson, DJ Rodman, like a lot of switchable defenders, Bronny James will help that. The one question I kind of was left with was looking around the rest of the league and some of the other games I watched. We'll get to Oregon, you know, and Folly Dante and Nate Biddle. Adem Bona had a big one at UCLA. Omar Balos at Arizona. There's a lot of good bigs in this conference. Like, where does UC, where does USC fit into that? Who's their guy? Because, like you mentioned, you know, Boogie Ellis had eight rebounds. Part of that is a lot of their bigs didn't do a lot of rebounding in this game. Yeah. Iwachukwu yeah. was out, but Joshua Morgan, like he had five blocks, but he only had three rebounds. Do they have a big that can kind of match up with some of the top bigs in the Pac-12? Because it seems like that's going to be an important part of anyone's path to win this league. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, first of all, yeah, USC looked electric. I think it's that's worth reiterating over and over again. They are a fun team to watch. Isaiah Collier, you know, I, I know we've talked about him four or five times already. He's he's a he, he I, very clearly to me the Pac-12 freshman of the year front runner. I'm not even sure anyone's going to come close to what Isaiah Collier is going to do. We got a great class of freshmen last year. We did not. It was Adembona and Jordan Pope, and both good players. But like this year, we've got Isaiah Collier. We've got all of the freshmen at UCLA. Um, we've got. Uh, uh, Kwame Evans at Oregon looks fantastic. Like we've got a great class of freshmen this year, uh, but Isaiah Collier looks immediately like the best one. It's it's pretty absurd what he was doing uh, that night. Now he was a little bit out of control. He did have six turnovers. He's he is a freshman. He's not like invincible, 
but he is a pretty damn polished freshman, especially being their point guard. Really curious to see what he does. Boogie Ellis is awesome. But to your point, Reed, I think that I think we, you know, we gotta worry, gotta worry a little bit about the depth here, right? Because coming after you get this fantastic starting lineup of Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis, DJ Rodman, who didn't have a great night offensively, but was solid defensively. Isaiah Collier, Joshua Morgan, um, another guy who did really well defensively, and then after that, it's Harrison Ornery, uh, Oziah Sellers, Arrington Page, Kajani Wright. Kajani Wright, I'm surprised only got four minutes in this game. They went with eight deep in in the first game of the season. Um, Andy Enfield really wanted to win this one, I guess. <laughs> I that is I'm glad you brought up Kajani Wright, because I meant to, but I forgot. I was shocked at how little he played because of the injuries with Uuchuku and Bronny James gone. And because like you they played such a short rotation, you'd think Kajani Wright could have could have broken in, could have gotten some real minutes, especially I was under the impression before the year, because so much of my perception of these teams comes from media day. Based on what Andy Enfield said then and what the players said, I totally thought Kajani Wright was going to be like a pretty big contributor this year. So I was pretty pretty surprised not to see him. Yeah. And, and you know, he could have provided some of that size. Uh, per sports reference, I mean, you know, in four minutes, rebounding rates, it's very noisy data here. But he was second on the team in rebound rate at 12 point. He was catch, getting 12.4% of all available rebounds. Arrington Page actually got 19% of all available rebounds. And then number three is Boogie Ellis. And those first two guys played a combined 18 minutes. So to your point, Reed, I, like they've got to they've got to hope Vince Iwuchuku comes back pretty soon here to help them bolster that. But Aside from that, they played pretty magnificently. I thought they were uh, lots of fun to watch defensively. I think, Greg, you kind of mentioned it. There are some spots where they're out of position. They didn't always look like, you know, I think we forget with Isaiah Collier being on this team and DJ Rodman sort of getting on that this team's bringing back a lot of players and a lot of production and Kobe Johnson and Boogie Ellis and Joshua Morgan and uh you know and uh and harrison ornery like all those kinds of guys um but you know they they didn't they didn't always look together now first game of the season against a kansas state team that did look pretty good i was you know i thought kansas state was like looked like a pretty real team that was a really really good test to open so i don't know what do you all think about uh usd any any changes game one any overreactions to what they did in this game that made you think oh okay all right this this team solidified as a conference contender. Oh, maybe they're a little sloppy. They look a little vulnerable. Any any thoughts like that about this USC team after watching what they did against Kansas State? I'm higher on them after oh, the wow. one game. Okay. Uh, basically, watching this game, I thought they didn't play a great game. You know, I like they look good, but you could see so much, so many avenues for improvement with them. Mm. Like not even in, not even including the guys who weren't playing, who you hope will be playing by the end of the year. Uh, saw enough of that that I really think that this, I mean, if if it all comes together, if Andy Enfield just does an average coaching job, genuinely think this could be a top 10 team. Yeah. Because of the talent they have, because of the way I think that talent fits together, because I, I think it's a really good fit uh, with who they have. I think it should work on paper. Uh, does Andy Enfield hold them back or can he tread water? If he can tread water, I think USC fans will have a very fun year. Yeah. Turner's got a great comment here. He says USC is going to be electric, then randomly go on a four game losing streak, but win the next five after, 
I think that's entirely possible. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they're gonna. Have, I think they are gonna have. Maybe they'll have a down period at some point. But I do feel like they are going to have a long stretch where it looks like, man, is anyone gonna be able to take this team down? They're gonna have to gel a little bit. They've got some real discipline issues, but uh, you know the Andy Enfield formula is just you get a bunch of really talented dudes and hope it works out. And so far, so good. You know, game one, but against a pretty good team, number thirty-two in Kempom. Obviously, that'll change as more data comes in. But I'm curious. I'm very curious. What about you, Reed? You excited about USC? You think they have a? You think this is sustainable? Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I think Collier was the biggest question for me of. Like those guys are always hyped up, but freshmen, you never really know how it's going to translate exactly. Like regardless of what a great prospect he was, I wanted to see it at this level. Um, You knew Boogie Ellis was going to be able to score. You knew like these other pieces could fit, but for this performance to be, you know, close to an A from Isaiah Collier, at least in game one, uh, definitely is like, the biggest question mark, the biggest thing that I thought was make or break is Isaiah Collier going to be a star. And through one game, he did as much as he could pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, other notable performances. Again, you mentioned it, Greg. Kobe Johnson, like a really good player. I thought he did, <laughs> he did again what he had, what he had done last season and, and, and frankly looks a little bit more polished in a lot of ways where he's like he doesn't on offense does not need to have the ball in his hands to be impactful which i think is really important for a wing in in this right when you've got boogie ellis and isaiah collier taking up you know however many they combined for oh like almost 60 percent of all of um taking up all of usc's possessions right there isaiah collier had a usage rate of 29.6 boogie ellis had a us usage rate of 27.9 percent um when you're Kobe Johnson, you're like, I'm going to try to find offense wherever I can and contribute wherever I can. That is the perfect offensive player to have alongside Bogielis and Isaiah Collier. And defensively, a goddamn menace. Uh, a, a terrifying. He was getting in passing lanes, had his hands all over the place, had four steals. I don't know how many more deflections he had. Um, and he was he, he did what I think we expected him to do. He really does look like the defensive player of the year front runner at this point right now. Obviously, I think we're going to get to some of the other performances here in a bit that I think are worth mentioning. But and eight rebounds, you know, for a wing player, he's like six five, six six. Fantastic play from him. Um, DJ Rodman, kind of underwhelming in this one offensively. Defensively, totally fine, pretty good. Um, not much to write home about, but he's another player that I think will be a, a quality starter here. So, all right, that's USC beating Kansas State. They start the season one and zero. Let's move on to the other P6 on P6 matchup here. And the first game of the Pac-12 season, this was uh, actually in the morning. Oregon takes care of Georgia, 82-71. to Another Pac-12 team controlling their Power 6 opponent from the jump. The Ducks took a big double-digit lead early, never looked back. Uh, lots of fun performances from this one, but probably most notably Nafali Dante notching 16 points and 21 rebounds, an absolute force on the glass this game. Very clearly Oregon's best player at this point. Lots of really fun performances and tidbits from this one, but Reed, start us off. What do you think about Oregon, this big win, your Ducks? I was quickly lulled back into Oregon from watching this game, honestly. It <laughs> felt like the type of just like competent and confident start that Oregon fans had been wanting out of the gates for a while. Uh, you know, you talked about in Folly Dante. I mean, he was awesome. Nate Biddle looked like a natural compliment next to him. 
uh, Kwame Evans, the freshman, definitely flashed. You could see the pathway to him developing into a real force uh, going you know, into the rest of the season. I think the question was the guard play, you know, and I think that's what's going to loom for Oregon going forward is you saw uh, Bartholomew and Zarzuela go a combined three for 16 in this game. They were kind of the starters at guard. Um, and you had to wonder, is there an answer elsewhere on this roster, you know? And thankfully, I think for Oregon, there were some other options. I mean, the Brendan Rigsby minutes and that moment where for, <laughs> electric for a split second, uh, you know, Brendan Rigsby front runner for back 12 player of the year. I tweeted for, <laughs> in the first game he was taken over. He was super impactful. I mean, he feels maybe more like that perfect six man, you know, to go into March with, um, we'll see if he can have a role bigger than that, but certainly a guy in an eight man rotation you'd be comfortable with. Uh, and then, Otherwise, there was uh, Cario Oquenda played 25 minutes at Georgia the past two seasons. He only had nine in the debut today or yesterday. But um, I thought, you know, does he start to eat into those backcourt minutes? Does Jackson Shellstad, who is the five-star freshman from in-state and didn't play in this game, does he start to get some of those backcourt minutes going forward? Because I think if they can get some guys to run the show in the backcourt with that big man duo and with a guy like Kwame Evans on the wing – this team could be really good. It, they, they, the guard play, I think, is exactly right, Red. I, Reed, I was wondering how they might look. Greg, did you get to watch much of this game? And what did you think of Oregon in this one? I did get to watch this game, and I too had the same conclusion. The bigs for Oregon are sick. I like them a lot. The guards, I do not like. Uh, specifically, I guess I like, I like Cousinard. I like Jermaine Cousinard. I think he's a good player. I think he has been a good player. And he had a good game in this one. Uh, what was he? Six for 11? Uh, it's pretty good. But I have never liked uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, uh, Bartholomew <laughs> going back to his days at Colorado. I have never liked him. I have never thought he was good enough to be starting for Oregon. They, I think they need Jackson Shellstat to be back if they're going to uh, contend for the conference. I think if Jackson Shellstat plays up to his hype, you know, to the way he was rated coming out of high school, Oregon could have an incredibly fun team. The way watching him follow Dante in the post is wonderful. I love it because he's just stronger than everybody else. He's so strong. He knows how to use his body to generate that nice layup in the post. Uh, I, I love watching him play, but you got to have good guards around him. You got to have guards who can make the pass into him, and you got to have guards who will space it out for him. Uh, now, despite the subpar guard play, that didn't stop him from going for sixteen and twenty-one, like you said. But I don't know. I think I think they'll need Shellstat. But once if if he hits, I think that Oregon is going to be like genuinely scary. Yeah, I mean. It probably worth mentioning again. Uh, they played a team that was top sixty in Kempom, uh, and I think they might still be top sixty in Kempom. So, like, you know, this was not a, a low major tune-up sort of type of game. This is a, a legit team that Oregon had to play, and I don't know. Yeah, sure. the The guard play, I think, probably not magnificent. Like, I think competent enough, right? I really did like what Kusinar did. Um, 
Barthelme, yeah, not maybe not uh not a great performance from him, especially early on, but you know, might be it might be might be uh, an upgrade over what they had before. Uh so we'll see. I think Shellstead is going to be a huge part of this. Do we know is he just like ineligible is he hurt or what's going on? He has it's an injury. Yeah, he think. has a knee injury and I think Altman said he'll be out a few weeks was the quote. So okay. we'll see how okay. long that ning- lingers. I do want to say, uh, I said they need him back. I don't think they need him back to make the tournament uh, after this performance. I think yeah. they can make the tournament without him. So long as, you know, they don't have more injuries like they have the last few years. Uh, but if they stay healthy, I think they got a good enough team to comfortably make the tournament. If they want to make a run, I think they need Chelsea. And uh, yeah, I- I do want to say, too, I think the interesting thing as far as like the narrative with Oregon has been slow starts under Altman largely. But if you look at the non-conference schedule for them, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's pretty Mm -hmm. weak. Michigan and Syracuse are the only P6 teams that they play. Syracuse outside the top 100 in Kempom. I think Michigan's just within the top 40. They're at. Yeah, they're at 38th. So it's pretty manageable, you know, and I think that that's certainly good for Oregon. It gives them the chance to kind of flip that early season narrative, stack up some wins and get some confidence out of their belt heading into conference play. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this goes for Oregon. I think, you know, they've only got, you're right, two real, real big tests. And then, then it's conference play. They got a lot of low majors. I guess Santa Clara could be interesting. I think they're supposed to be a pretty uh, impressive team. I think they beat, I think they beat UCLA in a secret scrimmage or something, right? So yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm more in on Oregon than I thought they could be. I, we did not get the early Oregon struggles that we normally would get. And to your point, we kind of ragged on the, the guards a little bit. The bigs are incredible i nefali dante is an awesome player he is going to be top five in the pac-12 this season I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that um nate biddle you know you mentioned it like he kind of got spot minutes here and there last year kind of struggled a little bit later on but his strong his start was strong enough to make me think okay he's got some he, he's figured some stuff out in the offseason he looks like a much better player kwame evans like he did not get a ton of run didn't get a, a ton of shots up but like I really he he his game looks smooth. Uh, I'm really curious to see what he does. So yeah, and then of course uh, we got you know the Brennan Rigsby dunk. Uh, I can't really get it up because for some reason my computer is uh, not happy right now. My computer is very upset that I think we're probably recording video and audio at the same time. But whatever, it's fine. Um, so I won't pull it up now. But awesome performance from uh, from everyone involved here. I'm. I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know if Brendan Riggs, Brendan Rigsby is going to be like a player that's going to get them consistently 15, 16 points a night. If he is, that's magnificent. He solved a lot of your guard <laughs> problems there. Uh, I'm going to assume that's not the case, but I don't know. I mean, it's not like he was just getting hot, right? It wasn't a situation where he's just like, yeah, he's going to hit threes tonight. He was open and now people are going to guard him and that's it. But um, he was getting to the rim on like power six athletes, like the yeah. fact that he was able to do that against Georgia, it's not the same as with these other teams in bye games, you know, like when I'm, I can't think of a random player, but you saw lots of players who just beat their man, got to the rim. That doesn't work when you get into conference play against, you know, high major athletes. Oregon proved, like Brennan Rigsby proved, he can do it against high major athletes. Maybe not a great high major team, but not like a sewer dweller either. So. 
I think I would be very encouraged. Yeah. What would you say right now between, we talked about Oregon and USC. These two look like two of the top four teams in the Pac-12 right now. Which, right now, they play tomorrow. Who are you taking? That's tough because I think they're both like such unfinished products. Yeah. I think Oregon's bound to get better as the season goes on. Just at least with adding Shellstat and then probably with gelling. And then USC, I think the same thing. Getting Brani and Uachuku back and then gelling together because it's a pretty new team. Uh, both have a lot to gain. If they play today, oh, it's so hard because USC's guards are so much better, but then Oregon's bigs are so much better. I think that's what's hard I, I about on, this. I think I just pick USC because I like their bigs more than I like. Uh, like I like Josh Morgan better than I like any guard Oregon has. Uh, and I pick USC for that reason with the hope that Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis can just make some magic happen. But like, if Oregon won that game, no one would be surprised, mainly because Infali Dante's insane. Yeah, and they've got a ton of size. What about you, Reed? Neutral site tomorrow, play in Las Vegas again. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'd pick USC uh, in basketball. Um, I, <laughs> I think it would it would take like an insane performance in Folly Dante. He'd have to have like 25 rebounds or something uh, because I think that the guard play just, it just translates in that setting. Like when you have such a big matchup, big matchup advantage at guard, I think that you're just going to run things so much more fluidly early in the season. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I'm curious to see how Isaiah Collier does with Oregon's full court press, which is mm, back that's in, a great point. Right, back in full swing. That thing looks Oregon like it's definitely working again. has the coaching advantage. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, and you know, the size, I, I think the size really is gonna, would really bother um, USC, I think. I think the size is a real hindrance because Oregon, Oregon has a lot of size. They've got a lot of size, a lot of length. I think it would be really interesting, but Fun stuff. I'm glad that these two teams, Pac-12, starting off with a bang. And also, by the way, I'm so glad we got like two real games to talk about instead of just watching, you know, Arizona beat the shit out of Morgan State twelve times. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Last year was last year was a brutal opening day. Like, you know, we talked about this, Greg. We talked about like, I I just pack like college basketball opening day, especially for men's college basketball. Some electric. Worst. It's the worst. Yeah, we had some electric women's basketball games, but like, man, we had some we we had some brutal brutal opening day games. Let's see some let's see some big time matchups early on, you know. And I this was these aren't I would not say these were big time matchups, but they were certainly you know better than what we've gotten in the past. So I don't know. Next year, let's 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 move Arizona Duke to night one. Like let's not let's not delay it. What are we waiting till Friday for? Let's just see those two go at it. I think it'd be uh, a lot, uh, a lots of fun. That and stop doing shit in Las Vegas. I love going to Las Vegas, but like no one's there. The environment's bad. Like come on, <laughs> let's just do this on college campuses. Let's let's get the environments back up and going. All right. Well, those are a recap of the two biggest games of the slate so far. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the rest of the slate. Rapid fire. Do not go anywhere. Hey there, it's Carlos and it is basketball season once again, which means it's time to throw away those boring ass football jerseys and time to break in that sweet, sweet basketball apparel. And no one has better basketball shit uh, than Homefield. Homefield's collection of ba- vintage basketball shirts is so good. Uh, my personal favorite 
this one right here. Uh, this actually is UCLA Center Court logo for the uninitiated. It's been the logo at Poly Pavilion for forever now, except for a brief period of time during the Steve Alford era when UCLA had that ugly thick script, which honestly very fitting for that era of UCLA basketball. Uh, that logo is iconic. And when I saw that Homefield drop that as a shirt, I knew I had to get it. Uh, Homefield has basketball themed shirts for almost every Pac-12 school, and they are super cool, super comfy. Uh, they're so cool that I buy Pac-12 teams basketball shirts outside my own. For example, this Beaver Fever. Oh, look at that. It's blank. This Beaver Fever Oregon State basketball shirt is so fun, so unique. It's got Gil Coliseum in that little uh, font down there. You've got the beaver there bouncing a basketball. It is a blast. And also, do not tell anyone this on Twitter, but I do have an Arizona basketball shirt commemorating their 1997 national championship. It's their best basketball shirt, I think, for Arizona, primarily because Arizona hasn't really done much in basketball since then. Anyway, uh, Homefield has really dope basketball stuff. Just peruse your team's shirts at homefieldapparel.com. You'll see what I mean. First-time purchasers get a discount with promo code NOTRUCKSTOPS23. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. All right, we are back. Let's move on to talk about the rest of the slate rapid fire. The Pac-12 went 9-0 and in its bas- other basketball games on opening day, so let's get to the rest of the slate. First up, a look at the top of the league. Arizona, another beatdown of a low major. They destroyed Morgan State 122-59. Lots of players in double digits for the Wildcats, obviously, but Kylan Boswell ends up as Arizona's leading scorer in his first start as a team's point guard. He had 18 points off 7 for 10 shooting. I didn't watch a lick of this game, but Reed, your boy, Caleb Love, looked pretty poopy. You concerned? Did Caleb Love even look that bad? Is is that true? <laughs> I love Carlos saying, I didn't watch this shit. Also, he looked bad. I was following. I was uh I was looking With at some highlights. Eyes? I was I was looking at some highlights following the discourse on Twitter. Apparently he jacked up a lot of shots, didn't have a great efficiency. I don't know. So so he played like Caleb Love. Wow. <laughs> I I'm so tired of Arizona doing this. Someone's gonna I'm, I'm gonna they're gonna do this every single year where they just beat the shit out of some poor low major team and like in some insane score where you're like holy shit Arizona is mad that's just how they play they do this every single year and then they're probably gonna drop a, a dumb game maybe uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about two uh, two other dark horse teams first up Colorado took care of business against Towson after kind of a scary start. Colorado only led Towson by four points at halftime. But in the end, KJ Simpson led the charge for the Buffs towards a win at the CU Event Center, 75-57. Similarly, UCLA took care of its low major opponent, St. Francis, 75-54. They were only up 10 at the half on St. Francis before outscoring the Red Flash by 21 points in the second half. Greg, did you find any of these performances concerning or were you completely fine with them? I felt, I mean, I, I was concerned, but I think Colorado's going to be fine. Cody Williams is a freshman, very, very apparent watching him. That's a freshman. Uh, I was surprised he played as many minutes as he did, and I think this is going to be a year for Colorado if they do not challenge for the regular season title. I think it's going to take some time for Tad to have them clicking based on this game you know that's my overreaction it's gonna take some time for them but i still think they could be a force in march reed what about you what are you thinking about uh i think you you watched uh, the ucla game is that right 
yeah, for UCLA, this was the Adem Bona show, like completely on both ends. 28 points, nine boards, four pretty loud blocks. Uh, my two big questions coming out of it, though, where are all the awesome foreign dudes I heard about? Like, it seemed like a pretty quiet night from them. And then only two of nine from three. Are you concerned about the shooting performance going forward, Carlos? Uh, not not really, mostly because Mick Cronin has never relied on a three-point shot. I mean, I'm sure UCLA will have to do it, but it's not really in their game like that. Uh, so it makes sense. Yeah, the freshman got nothing. Uh, Jan Vide, the freshman from Slovenia, came in for about four minutes, chucked up three shots, was out the rest of the game. Um, Adaimara. Came in for a couple minutes, fouled, got three fouls in five minutes. Never saw him again. Um, yeah, and, and then and then he had a couple of injuries slash ineligibilities. Yeah, but you know, not a bad first start for a team that's completely new. Adembona, clearly the strategy for UCLA will be give it to fucking Adembona. Mick Cronin said as much in his post game press conference. He's gonna he's gonna put up a lot of numbers here for UCLA. Let's see how long it takes him to figure it out. Uh, meanwhile, middle of the league also took care of a business. Utah handled Eastern Washington after a rough start beating the Eagles 101-66. Gabe Matson let the moose in scoring in this one. 20 points off some hot shooting from three. Greg, you feeling good about Utah after this one? There were concerning signs, namely like a four-minute scoring dra- drought in the first half. That all being said, this to me is so clearly the best team Utah's had under Craig Smith. Okay, okay. Uh, Utah has not scored over 100 points like they did today since 2019, uh, where I believe they scored like 125 against like Missouri Valley State or something. Uh, but this is this is a team that has some shooting. This is a team that has some nice bigs, and they defend as a unit pretty well. Uh, Eastern Washington is like a good ma- uh, mid-major, or a good low-major maybe. Uh, but they, they're, I think, second highest in their conference in terms of Kempom behind Weber State. Better than most of the bye games Pac-12 teams were playing today, and Utah handled them easily. At no point was this ever in doubt. I am worried about the offense still, but <laughs> yeah. like they're a little bit better than last year, and without injuries, that might be enough, especially if they get a waiver for Davon Smith. If they get a waiver for Davon Smith... I'm calling it. It's a tournament team. <laughs> yeah, promising point guard there, sitting sitting down. I hope they give they get a waiver for him. Uh, yeah, offense. Don't know where that's coming from for this team, but hey, like Utah just beat down the bad teams. Try to play defense, and then you never know what happens. Uh, all right, let's move on. A couple more here. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, while Utah did that, Wazoo took care of Idaho down the street from Pullman, eighty four fifty nine behind Andrei Giacomovsky's 21 points and, and also 13 points from Miles Rice. First game back in a while. He missed all of last season due to cancer. He is now cancer-free and kicking ass on the court. Great to see that. Washington beat Bellman 91-57. Corin Johnson led the team in scoring in that one with 25. Kind of a surprise there, but he and Keon Brooks scored 47 of the Huskies' 91 points in their win over the Knights. Nice game from uh, Nate Calmese as well. And Oregon State beat Division Three Linfield 82-46. Jordan Pope led the charge in this one with 16 points off 13 shots. Reed, any notes from these games? You know, the Beavs, I get it's versus Linfield, but based on what I'd heard where they were in Ken Palm rep, relative to the rest of the conference, I didn't expect them to look that competent and balanced. I liked Jordan Pope. I liked some of the young pieces. 
They emptied out the bench. They shot a lot of threes. It made me think maybe on the right night they could they could show up against someone, you know, more than I expected. So I thought it was a good performance from Oregon State. Someone's talking to Sam Whiteley over at the Peyton years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, great games from all these. I thought they were they were all fine. These are all, uh, you know, I, great stuff. We'll see how they do against some of the better competition. Always fun to watch Bellarmine basketball. But by the way, like if you if we get a chance to if you get a chance to watch a Pac-12 team play Bellarmine in one of these bye games, they play such a they're like. I don't know. They're like the triple option Air Force type of team where, like, they just don't dribble a ball. Like, maybe two dribbles per possession <laughs> at all. It's crazy. It's always crazy to watch. And I'm like, man, if someone should get the Bellarmine coach to just run this offense. would be ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, next up, wouldn't be a, the Pac-12 with a couple of close calls against some low majors, would it? Uh, Stanford escaped a potentially embarrassing defeat at the hands of CSU Northridge. They won 88-79, but CSUN connected for every minute of this game. Uh, in the end, big man Maxime Reynaud helps the Cardinal escape with 23 points and 15 rebounds. Across the bay in head coach Mark Madsen's debut, though, Cal survived a scare from the St. Thomas Tommies. Uh, they come away unscathed to 71-66 thanks to a magnificent performance from Fardaz Amak who had a double-double in his debut in Berkeley. Reed, what did you have, what'd you think about either of these games? The Stanford game was legitimately scary. Not a, <laughs> not a lot went right. They were down late, 79-75. They need a 13-0 run, not only to make it look good, but straight up, they just needed it to win the game. They were not going to win. Uh, and, and I think, weirdly, it wasn't the talent that saved Stanford. Kanan Carlisle didn't play. Andres Stojakovic went 2 for 11. Spencer Jones went 0 for 4 in 25 minutes. Instead, it was these two vets who averaged single-digit points last year. Uh, Michael Jones broke out for 20 points, and then the junior big from France, Maxime Reynaud, uh, Reynaud. Yeah, scored 23. Like, it, it wasn't the pieces we thought it would be for Stanford that, that made people maybe high on them. Uh, it was these other dudes who, you know, didn't even score in double digits last year. <laughs> oh, Stanford. Greg, do you, uh, are you more concerned about Cal or Stanford after this one? It is concerning for Cal that they, uh, you know, struggled as heavily as they did with St. Thomas. But Cal played a better team than Stanford did. Hmm. Like, I looked at the Kempom. I think CSUN is like 100 spots lower. Wow. Than St. Thomas, they are a shit team. That's, that's <laughs> uh, bad. I, I hope I hope Connor wasn't listening for that part. <laughs> but I, I am genuinely concerned about Stanford. I what, what were their turnovers in this game? I forgot to it check. It was only nine. Before actually, I was surprised this. that it was that so it was that low. It, that's what I was thinking while I was watching it. Was like this is like the first time I watched a, a Jared Haas team and they looked bad, but it wasn't because of turnovers. Just because they're, but the just, fact that they looked bad, even with removing the turnovers that they've had for so long, like, am I more worried about them now? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I am concerned for Stanford deeply. Yeah, both of these teams uh, got some tough times ahead of them, but Cal they got thirty three percent of their win total from last year in game one, so. You know, you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta give them credit for that. Uh, had some great performances there. Why not Stanford though? 
man, they might be in for a long season. This is going to be brutal. All right. Last ones here. Finally, saving the best for last. I don't know if y'all ever y'all got to watch these. Uh, the Pac-12 women dominated on Monday. They went 11-0-0 on opening day, too. Two highlights. Colorado women's hoops throttled by you, Dabo Sweeney, and the number one team in the country, LSU, behind senior Frida Foreman's 27 points off seven threes. She was a fucking flamethrower in that game. Uh, the Buffs seized control of that one in the third quarter. I never looked back. Huge, huge win for Colorado. And then USC also pulled off an upset uh, downing number seven Ohio State thanks to an historical debut for true freshman phenom Juju Watkins. She scored 32 points off 11 for 18 shooting. She is so much fun to watch. That is going to be a fun team to follow. And she gets USC a very nice opening win. Uh, Pac-12 women's hoops, they've got some They've got some teams. Uh, we're going to have to pay attention to them a little bit and see how the rest of the season goes. Uh, next ranked game for those who are like, oh, hey, when? well, you know, you got a bunch of bye games and a lot of trash games. When's the when's the next good one? Uh, next ranked game for the league is number nine, Indiana, traveling to Palo Alto to play number 15, Stanford in Cameron Brink. That game will be lots of fun. But, uh, hey, UCLA uh, also for the Pac-12, Purdue kicked kicked Purdue's ass. So another another P6 on P6 game for the women. Any uh, are y'all uh, excited about Pac-12 women's basketball this season? Yeah, I watched the um, LSU Colorado game. That was awesome. It was it was great to see. <laughs> it was LSU. electric. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, those type of upsets are so fun. That's like what makes makes college basketball awesome. Uh, and it's just cool to see that top dog knocked off. Yeah. It's gonna be gonna be a fun season. Were you guys saying Utah, Sam Greg? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say Utah is is fantastic. Utah's winning the Pac-12 this year. Utah's winning the national championship this year. <laughs> Alyssa Pilly is an incredible player. Seven of seven against is that Missouri Valley State? No, Mississippi Valley State. My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, Utah dominated. Utah's gonna dominate the Pac-12 this year. I'm excited. Yeah, Crosby Osborne better, but let's see, let's see. Um, gonna be a lot, gonna be a lot of competition up there. We'll have to definitely talk about more of these games uh, when we get to some of the bigger ones, especially in conference season. All right, normally what we do at this point as we transition out is do some game predictions. But let's be honest, every time we do this in the non-con, we don't we don't know anything about these teams, nothing outside of the Pac-12, even less than uh, college football. So instead, let's just do a very very quick preview of the biggest games in the coming week. It's a whole lot of stinkers for the Pac-12 over the next seven days, not going to lie, but we do have two really interesting Power 6 matchups, starting with Arizona State at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. If you're watching this live on YouTube, this will make sense. Our preview will be very timely, but and if you're watching on Twitter, our preview will be very timely. But sadly for podcast listeners, this game will be over by the time it hits your feeds. Uh, it starts at 6.30 Pacific. We are recording this at 5.44 uh, so Greg, for our dedicated Pac-12 sickos joining us live, what's uh, what's one thing you're looking from ASU in this game against Mississippi State? Competitiveness. Um, <laughs> Mississippi State, I think, is a pretty good team. Uh, traditionally, they have been at least. And as I look at Kempom, are they? Where where does it have them? Thirty-one. It has them. Okay, in that's that's good. That's like a good team. That's a tournament team right there. Uh, I if, if ASU keeps it competitive, if ASU wins, I feel like we have to drastically recalibrate <laughs> yeah, we do. on what that team is <laughs> because I feel like we have all collectively ignored them. Yeah. 
so far. I think in the preview show, we didn't even show, know that they were us... playing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think none of us like picked them for anything. None of us talked about them as interesting. Just haven't said anything about them, which of course would make this the year that Bobby Hurley puts it all together. <laughs> and if they beat Mississippi State, like. Are they a tournament team? <laughs> be very interesting. Be very interesting. They've got some fun players. Arizona State is so... I don't know if they're always a good team, but Arizona State has me in a chokehold. I love watching Arizona State. Bobby Hurley is such an idiot dub coach. But man, just letting dudes out there hoop. So much fun. Uh, Frankie Collins is going to be fun. Jemaya, I'm really curious. I think the one thing I am watching for, how good is Jemaya Neal? We've been here. I've been hearing some stuff that, oh, Jemaya Neal's taking a step forward. He's looking really, really good. Let's see. Be very curious. We're about to find out in about 45 minutes here. So that will be fun. Uh, are, I will I, say, uh-huh. sorry, uh, if I was making like an all Pac-12 Greg team, just people that I like, you know, my favorite <laughs> players, Kobe Johnson's there, you know. Okay. He's a wing on that team. Frankie Collins is the point guard. Oh, yeah. Just without a doubt. I love Frankie Collins so much. He is electric. He is so electric. You're so right. Um, the Pac-12 All-Greg team. You're going to have to post that on Twitter. Who the rest of the Pac-12 All-Greg team is on there? Brennan Rigsby probably makes the, probably makes it now. I, I'm not a Brennan Rigsby lover. I think okay. he's fine. Okay. Right. <laughs> Reed, are you going to watch Arizona State, Mississippi State? Sure, I'll watch. Yeah, sure. I don't. I don't know that I have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on a Wednesday <laughs> night here. No, I mean, it, you know, I guess uh, Mississippi State's good. It sounds like I just found that out in the last five minutes. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, yeah, but you know, if Arizona State wins, sure, why not a competitive game? Yeah, go Sun Devils. My yeah. my old love, uh, Bobby Hurley from last season. <laughs> Next one up here, just to preview, who knows if this team that they're playing is any good. Uh, Arizona travels to Durham to play number two Duke. Kempom has Arizona as a three-point dog in their first test of the season. What are you looking for from the Cats in this one, Greg? This one, I feel like it's not March, and so obviously... I can't really draw conclusions about Arizona as we've <laughs> talked about, you know, because they're they're liable to win a big game in the regular season. That's right, they are. That, that being they are. said, that being said, with the previous two Arizona teams, there have been red flags in the regular season, and those red flags have been even in games that they win. Sometimes it looks like they're just out physical, you know. Sometimes it looks like the other team pushed them around and they didn't know how to respond to that and then we saw it again in March I think that happened the last two regular seasons if Arizona is able to out physical Duke I might start to believe Mm. okay if they can do that like if they can play Duke and just look like the like just I don't know the more serious team I will feel I will feel a little better you know I'll start to have optimism in my heart for an Arizona March run yeah Reed, what are you looking for uh, from Arizona in this allegedly really, really big game for them, I guess? You uh, you looking for them to be competitive? You think they got to win this game? Think it doesn't matter? I'm I'm looking for Caleb Love to slay Duke <laughs> once again. <laughs> <laughs> the Caleb Love-Duke rivalry is electric. Uh, I, I just, if there's one game where the ill-advised shots are going to go in, 
it's the game against Duke. That's or UCLA. The, yeah, probably. or UCLA. <laughs> Why not both? Why not both? There's plenty of time both? for both. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I'm looking for, is for Kayla Love to absolutely rip the hearts out of any Duke fans. Yeah, I'm. I am of the. I'm. I'm kind of in the same crib as Greg. I'm like, yeah, you know, they're probably. They. I could see Arizona beating Duke. Could see Arizona beating Duke by ten. Could. Could absolutely see that. I'm gonna walk away from that being like, okay, cool, you did it again. <laughs> um, man, it's it's gotta suck to be an Arizona fan right now because like, you've won so many of these big games. Like these kinds of big games they won almost exclusively last season they lost like one of these big games and it was against ucla in los angeles and when jalen clark went down um but other than that they're kicking everyone's ass and then they get into the tournament and they they look all poopy so let's let's see tommy lloyd has clearly not changed anything schematically philosophically still the same guy let's let's see uh so be a fun game though maybe we'll get on twitter spaces after this one why not Got some Arizona fans. Arizona fans will figure out a big old Arizona fan to do this with. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. That's it for us. We'll be back here Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week 11 of the Pac-12 football season. And then we're talking hoops again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. But for now, that's Reed. That's Greg. I am Carlos. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no trick stops here. Not even one. I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street Things aren't always green